everyone. This is Allison Lee, your host here at CraftCast. And on today's show, I'll be talking to Mr. Arthur Hash. He's the instructional support technician in the metal program at SUNY New Paltz. Great discussion with Arthur. So lots of other news as well. So, you know, let's get started. Show number 179. Starting the day again, oh yeah. Letting the sun shine in, uh oh. I'm gonna dig within myself, uh oh. Life may be never what you think, but I think I'll just go with it and create something new. Well, hello, hello, hello. So excited to be back here in front of the mic for another CraftCast podcast. I'm your host, Allison Lee, and I enjoy chit-chatting with all of you wonderful people about, oh, everything creative and fun, things to make, things to look at, things to learn. Love all of that. Uh, stay tuned. I have a wonderful guest coming up today, Arthur Hash. He is, uh, uh, I don't think his title is fair enough, but he's the uh, support technician in the metal arts program at SUNY New Paltz. But he's also an artist as well. Uh, he has a new book out. Oh, there's all kinds of great stuff you're going to want to hear about. Uh, but before that, I uh, want to catch you up on everything going on in CraftCast. Oh, working here behind the scenes, it was uh, a little bit of a wild ride here during Storm Sandy, Super Storm Sandy, as they call it. Uh, we were out of electricity for quite some time. And I've learned that's not my favorite thing. <laughs> I like my electricity, I'm just saying. I'm an electric kind of girl, like my internet and all of the above. Uh, so that was very challenging, to say the least. I was very happy when everything popped back on, on, is all I can say. But there's so many people who are still, they're out of so much more. It's really been an unbelievable experience here, just seeing what nature can do. Uh, to your surroundings. Yes, it was quite a learning experience in many, many ways. The trees that were ripped up here, big old trees just turned upside down, ripped out the sidewalk up on end. Uh, it was really in my neck of the woods looked like a bomb had gone through. So very grateful that everyone I know came through okay and all damage can be fixed. So there you go. But I will say, I was happy to get my internet back. Just saying, kind of girl I am. Uh, and so we've been having a big sale here. I hope you uh, took advantage of the big uh, holiday sale. I know they call it Black Friday, but I like to call it Colorful Friday, Crafty Friday, <laughs> as well as Cyber Monday. Uh, so uh, there was a big sale going on here. I hope you all enjoying all of your 25% off of your digital files. So you've got to learn all kinds of new fun things to make. Love that. We still have a few live classes coming up before the end of the year. So come over to craftcast.com and check those out as well. Plus there are new um, instant download recordings available too. So check out all that kind of stuff. And um, what else? Oh, I went off and did um, some new exercise program that was a mistake on my part. I went off to do gymnastics on a trampoline and did it for an hour only to tear a muscle. Uh, and I'm here to say that is not fun. 
but I'm healing and moving on. <laughs> so I really couldn't even do uh, a lot of talking on the on the mic for a while because uh, not enough air was coming out over my vocal cords because of the muscles that were strained around that area. So I talked like this a bit, very quietly. Uh, so moving on from there, some people might be sort of sad that I got my voice back, but that's a whole nother show. <laughs> Uh, so I do have some books, so to go over with everyone. Uh, when I first got this book in, I put it to the side because I thought, mm, no, not for me. And then I started looking at it. And lo and behold, I sort of fell in love with it. And it's called Shrink, Shrank, Shrunk by Kathy Sheldon. And Kathy shows us how to use that old fashioned shrinky dink material. And I'm here to say, raise my right hand and say, I love shrinky dink material now. Just starting to play with it. Uh, there's some beautiful things that can be done with it. Actually, one of the CraftCast instructors, um, Ms. Erin Harris, she came on to the I Love Tools event uh, and showed us what she did with some shrinky dinks material. Beautiful, beautiful. And I know you're thinking, what is Allison talking about? I'm telling you, you can do some really fabulous things with this. So uh, check that out and check out the book, Shrink, Shrank, Shrunk. I think it's really it, all kinds of fun jewelry. You know, it's simple, fun, but I've even seen elegant things done with it, set in sterling, et cetera, et cetera, some beautiful things. Uh, also, a book, um, also for that book, you know, don't forget, you can always just come over to the craftcast.com site. So if you can't write it down, all the links are over there. Uh, another book is Push. It's jewelry curated by today's guest, Arthur Ashe, and the author is Martha Levant, who was last week's, uh, or two weeks ago, whatever, she's on there, might have been two weeks ago, uh, guest that I had on at Craftcast. Fabulous book to be inspired of different kinds of jewelry. And Arthur really pushed the envelope there about how he was inspired and how he curated that collection. So it's always a fun, fun visual you know, get cozy with and, and tea or sit down, have a few minutes to get inspired by what other people are doing. Lots of visual eye candy. So check that out. And then I saw a new app. I always like to share apps because I think it's the best way to find out about apps. It's called Note Shelf. Again, there's a link over there if you need that. Uh, and it's, um, it's fun. I use it on my iPad and you can type, you can draw with your finger, you can do all kinds of stuff and uh, save your own, just like you save a journal. You know, I have those as well when I rip things out and tape them into a big black book. But this is for your iPad or your iPhone. And it's pretty groovy is all I'm saying. So check that out. Uh, and I think it's on sale right now for 50% off. So it's all of $2 or something. So note shelf. Look that up. Pretty fun. Uh, so before we get to today's guest, though, I just, I'm so excited. I wrote to today's musical guest. Uh, her name is Grace McLean. And I'm in love with her voice. I'm in love with her music, and I've played two other pieces, and I got an email from her saying she was going to be live first week in December in New York, and I wrote, I said, oh, I would love to go, but I would love to promote another piece of music on the show if you're interested in, so she sent over a few pieces, so I'm going to play for you one of hers called Cabby Landlord. I think she's great. Again, come over to the craftcast.com uh, site and click the links to buy her music. She's fabulous. Just do it. I'm telling you. Support these amazing artists. So first, we're going to hear a piece of music from Grace McLean, and then come on back, and I'll be chit-chatting with Mr. Arthur Hash. It's been a long, hard night of drinking in a dive bar way downtown. Me and my friends were like, let's do some shots of crown. Got a little crazy 
And things are hazy, I think it's close to three in the morning And the bar is closing down Out in the misty, muggy, bright night lights of the city in heat We open our mouths to laugh and to check each other's wine-stained teeth I feel unstoppable yet heavy, I feel as poppable and ready And I have begged by to the home for a treat Tenant, though my rent is sometimes late I keep the place clean and try not to complain about the lack of heat And even though I still suspect it was you who was stealing my Netflix When it comes to a ride, why you gotta hate? Sure I could scrounge up 225 and quarters from the bottom of my purse I still won't be home for an hour and if it's the G you know it'd be worse I'll weed the garden, I'll hose down the sidewalk I'll try and get a dumbbell to work Can't be landlord, won't you pick me up? It really sucks to be on my own I'm feeling lonely and woozy from the blues Can't be landlord, if I could pick you out of the crowd I'd hail you down, let me real There's only tip to lose Cause when I'm riding on the train If there's a seat nearby I'll sit next to the sleeping homeless guy Just to prove I'm not afraid But I still avert my gaze My panhandler sticks a hat in my face Oh, heavy landlord Where are you? I guess I'll just walk home We're getting closer to the dawn I can't take Elias much longer Could always call my gay boyfriend See if he's got space in his bed But la-dee-dee, I got to be moving on I can feel the morning coming And the city is a-humming I'm seeing people scrambling for their coffee Caffeine landlord, I'm begging you please Stop being a tease and just tell me where you ride Caffeine landlord, if I could pick you out of the crowd I'd hail you down, I know where you live Don't even try to hide Oh, Caffeine landlord, where are you?
Well, you're going to be thrilled hearing who I'm talking to today. It's always exciting to talk to interesting, fascinating people. Um, today's guest is Arthur Hash. I'm holding his new book he just curated called Push Jewelry, 30 Artists Explore the Boundaries of Jewelry. It's totally fabulous. And he currently manages both the Metal Studio and the Digital Fabrication Lab. I love that title. For the Fine and Performing Arts Department at the State University of New York at New Paltz. Arthur, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Now, let's just fill everyone in a little bit of your background so they know how you got at least to this place. Sure. Um, well, uh, I can start at the beginning. <laughs> I have my uh, BFA uh, in Crafts Material Studies uh, from Virginia Commonwealth University, and then uh, my MFA in Metalsmithing and Jewelry Design from Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. Um, and then from there, I kind of had a, a, a bunch of random jobs uh, doing uh, within the field and kind of eventually landed here at New Paltz yeah, uh, in the metals department. Random jobs usually are the ones that are most telling about people because you usually learn something <laughs> fabulous from it. Yeah, sure. What was uh, your most well, random job? My most random job? Yeah. Uh, I was the night auditor at a hotel for a summer where I worked from midnight till 7 a.m., uh, which was pretty intense. <laughs> I mean, uh, for the most part, the odd people that would come in, it was kind of an uh, interesting job to have, I guess, as for for my age at sure. that time. Absolutely. Yeah. But, yeah. And are you someone that have always been making things? Oh. I mean, is that your is that your? Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, you know, I I do have a fond memory of uh, my parents dropping us off at my grandmother's house and we had like a kind of like a craft day. I think it was her attempt to kind of occupy time. So we were sitting in front of the television the whole time and we'd make Christmas ornaments and random things. And I think, uh, I like to think that's what inspired me maybe to, to continue making with my hands. So you liked it when you did that. I tried to get my son to do that with me. It didn't go well at all. So you were, oh. you were, yeah, he was not interested, but yeah. you, you liked the whole process. Yeah, it was great. I mean, you know, uh, she let us watch TV as well, but okay, <laughs> she right. definitely yeah. alloc- allocated time for right, us to right. to do this, uh, you know, creative thing. So, uh, but I, and of course there was everything else involved. Like, uh, you know, we'd we'd go outside and play as well. But you know, as the time went on, I, I found myself kind of uh, less interested in in kind of uh, normal academic pursuits, and then. Uh, kind of found out about going to art school for college and uh, kind of opened up all new doors and, and, and avenues to to go down. And it, it was just pretty exciting. It seemed like a perfect fit for me. So, And was it was it the the process or the finished result that interests you? I think initially it was probably the process. You know, I was just... Was like when you're younger and you're or a young artist and uh, especially kind of in your foundation years in, in college, art school, college, um, you know, you're, you're like a sponge. You're like, oh, right, right. absorbing this, and this is great, and I want to do this. And like, right. You know, so I think, I don't know if I gravitated towards metals because of its inherent uh, preciousness or maybe more so towards jewelry because you get to wear art. You know, you get to keep it with you and walk around with it, and it's just a great thing to have in hold you know it's kind of difficult to wear a large painting right right so i think that's probably why i went in that direction 
and you knew you were hooked right. You knew you were in the right place right away. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it was it was an interesting uh, way to get there, but uh, you know, I think everyone, depending on what university you you go to, you know, whether or not they have a metals department or or a jewelry department or even like crafts as a whole. You know, I think people people just gravitate towards what they they feel that they're successful in and 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 what they're interested in. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I loved art that, that school. I bet you. Were, what did yeah. you spend? What did you stay up all night doing? I can see you like you were <laughs> you're up somewhere. Oh yeah, I, I stayed up uh, all night doing uh, in the in my beginning years of metals. Uh, I stayed up all night doing uh, metal smithing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of ra- raising. And I think it was mostly because I was excited about it, but also because, like, I think uh, people got really annoyed with me because it's very loud, process, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. lots of hammering. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of liked it that I was doing it in the middle of the night because they didn't have to hear it during the day. So, um, And no one was there, and I got the whole studio to myself, so it was wonderful. Do you still do that ever? I sort of longingly think back of like staying up all night. It was the dark room. I was in school for photography. Ah, yeah. yeah. That all night doing feeling. I wonder if that only happens in college. You know, I thought about that. Actually, you know, I think that now that I am older, uh, it still happens, but it's just, it doesn't happen as much. You know, I'll I'll find some process or project or piece that I really am excited about and I really am into it. And then all of a sudden I look at the clock and it's 4 a.m. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah. It does happen still, but not as much. I just don't have maybe the stamina to do it every night. <laughs> right. I think that's, uh, that's it, what it is too. Yeah. I always know it's bad yeah. when you see 2 a.m. If you've got, if you've made yeah. it 2 a.m., it's not going to go well for the rest of the night. You might as well just give up at that point. Yeah, and almost like now now that you're older you you're you're smart enough to know that if things aren't aren't working at four or two AM it's time to stop. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's time yeah. to lie down for a while. Well now right. in your in your yeah. In your current job, I love that the title officially is um the Metal Studio and I love this part, the digital fabrication lab. I mean Oh yeah. My, okay, is this an accurate sort of take. I look and I see now, um, sort of with great longing, I would jump back to college in a second, but I see how now the metals program, you really have to be into your, which I am, computer skills and the whole digital part to really be part of a metals program. Is that correct? Uh, I wouldn't say that is accurate. Um, Well... It is one again one avenue to pursue. Okay. Uh, I think here at New Pulse and most universities, we try to give uh, everything to our students, like every opportunity, you know. And it's becoming the digital uh, fabrication or the digital tools are becoming more and more um, something that they need to know when they get out of school. Right. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's, we're we're do, doing our duty to expose them to other ways of making. Uh, and, and, you know, and we give them a choice. It's not a, ne- uh, a reco- you know, a necessary thing or a requirement. Like they can come through the metals program and still stay completely traditional and never touch a computer except for email. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> you know, but, but, but it is an option. It's something it's the digital lab isn't a department in the university, but it is a place to go to, to experiment with certain techniques and equipment that they wouldn't have normal access to. Right. 
And do you find that an exciting arena to work in? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, initially, I think um, when I finished, I was I started dabbling in grad school. And I think once I got out of grad school, I took the path uh, that everyone else does or, or traveled the same path in the sense that, you know, you get out of school and you're like, oh, I got to find a job. And right. I'm having money. I don't need money. I don't right. have a studio. Right. And so the digital, digital, you know, I had a computer, you know, so it gave me the opportunity to still make, right. uh, but using a computer. So, you know, the 3D printing and all of the uh, laser cutting and all of the things that I learned and did was was just a product of my circumstance almost, you know, and then it became like a real part of my work right. and it developed uh, alongside with other traditional skills that I had learned through, through going to school for metals, so... Can you just explain to us, I mean, I loved, I was reading on your blog where you, you just got back from visiting Norway and you were talking about their school there. And I was just looking at the list of some of their things. And and I believe you have them, a lot of them too, um, at your school there. But it said there were five 3D printers, two laser cuts, a water jet, a CNC, I have no idea what that is, and two 3D skinners. It was like a partridge in a pear tree. I don't even know, like, can you just give us like the overview of what for, you know, the simple breakdown of definition of what all those things are and what you can do with them. Oh, of course. Yeah, we, I mean, I'll, maybe what I'll do is tell you what we have here because okay, it's pretty much the same, but just pared down. And, okay. Um, so um, I'll start with the 3D printer, <laughs> which is becoming very popular these days with a lot of metals people because uh, this, the 3D printers normally uh, are an additive process where it actually generates an object uh, using either a powder or a plastic extrusion. Okay. Um, and the, the printer that we have uh, actually prints an object layer by layer. Um, so I guess if, if you can envision almost like a, how a spiral ham is made up of layers of ham to right. make like the whole ham, that's, it's very similar to that. So there's layers of plastic uh, layered on top of each other to make an object. Um, but metals people, there are other 3d printers that actually print the same way, but in wax. Uh, and so you can go directly from wax to lost wax casting, oh, uh, to, to cast and sterling see. silver. So it's another reason why like a lot of metals people like the digital stuff. So you, so you can uh, work in a digital program like, um, CAD or something and then, sure. and then you yep. print it and out then, as a wax and then you can go have it as lost wax. Exactly. Yeah. Or, oh, you know, if, you, it. if it okay. prints in, an, in another material like plastic, you can make a rubber mold from it and then, got it. you know, okay. go on from there. All but right. that, that is just, that, another machine that we, that we use very often. It, it, it's kind of our workhorse as a laser cutter engraver. Okay. And, um, that and, well. and that's actually, that's a, a very powerful, uh, laser, uh, high, it's almost, uh, you know, maybe like a hundred times the power of like a laser pointer. Um, okay. and it actually will cut or engrave material. Um, so <clears throat> you can do things, sorry, um, you can do things like, I don't know, some of the things that we use it for in the jewel, in the metals program is, uh, cutting plexiglass to, for doing hydraulic press okay. or some of the things I've been experimenting with is actually using the laser to, uh, engrave uh, enamel. So it's uh, almost uh, the laser will burn or fire at about 2100 degrees Fahrenheit. 
and enamel uh, normally burns or fires in a kiln at 1500 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow, so the okay. 2100 degrees actually like selectively overfires the enamel. So it becomes almost like a new way of mark making on enamel. Um, but, you know, we use it for packaging design. You can cut cardboard, you can do die cutting, you can cut fabric. Um, so it's a pretty versatile machine. And it can um, cut and very the, fine line, correct? That's Oh, very fine. Very, yeah, very, it's very, about very the fine thickness line. of a hu- human hair. Right, um, okay. But it doesn't, our, our laser cutter is not powerful enough to cut metal. Um, so the students in the metals program are challenged kind of to use this equipment uh, creatively uh, or the laser cutter creatively to kind of get to their final product. Um, but, uh, you know, other uh, programs or majors such as painting or, or textiles or fashion design, you know, or graphic design will use it all day long for all kinds of things. Right. So it's pretty exciting. Like, the, you know, every day a student will come and they'll bring something and say, I'm going to cut this and make this crazy thing. And it's it's pretty exciting to be a part of that. I've seen the garments and the material that's done with laser cutting, and it's incredible looking. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing thing. I kind of wish I had my own. (laughs) One day I'll have my own. Your own laser cutter. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, They can be quite expensive. Um, But um, another machine that we have that you mentioned, the CNC. Yeah, um, that? that is it. CNC stands for computer numerically controlled. So it just it pretty much means that the machine is run by a computer. Okay. So um, in our, the R machine is a CNC router. So if you can imagine like a router, like a wood router okay. attached to a gantry system that moves X, Y, and Z. Um, and then you would again model something in CAD and place a block of material on the bed of the router, and the router will come and actually 3D, 3D cut an object out of your block of wood. So wow. the 3D printer 3D printer would be additive process, and the CNC would be a subtractive process. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there, of course, there, there are a million little accoutrements uh, for all of those machines, different bits, different oh, sure. materials you can cut. So. Oh, I can see yeah. staying up very late with something like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then a 3D... That, Go ahead. You think what? Oh, I was going to say, uh, metals people tend to kind of... I, 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 I'm always speaking to metals because that's just like what I know. Right. Um, but they tend to be kind of these like tool nerds, right? Like they kind of want to know every it. little detail about every little tool, right? I love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, many hours spent tinkering with all of these tools, you know? But don't you learning, think you have to off. really know, really just play with the tool before you can start creating? I, I mean, I don't know. That's sort of my approach. I love getting to know my tool and feeling so comfortable that it, then it's an extension of me, and then I can start creating. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually a good way to think about it. Uh, but, you know, truth be told, I, I described before about how my circumstance about not having a studio and the computer allowing me to still create objects, you know, there are a lot, dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of thousands, <laughs> maybe, uh, companies that have 3D printers and laser cutters and will cut and print things for you. Right, right. So, uh, you right, know, you don't right. necessarily have, don't have to, to have the direct access. Um, but but, but it's, it's still exciting to be there in front of the tool. And, you know, I don't think I would have been able to 
stumble upon or or think about the enamel with the laser without actually having a laser. Right, right. So it is on one side, yes, it is great to have the tool at your fingertips. But, you know, that's what that's kind of the bonus. <laughs> um, I'm going to be the academic here and do a little promotion, but go it is kind it, of the bonus of being able to come to school yeah. at like a university like New Pulse because yeah. we have all of this stuff. Oh, yeah. And so it's not, it's not just the recruitment thing. It becomes valuable because uh, uh, once they know how the tool will work, uh, they don't necessarily have to have one. They know how to prep their file right. to send it off to another company. Right, right, so, right. No, I think it's... Street pretty exciting. And, and, and how are... Um, what's the thought process right now of students at the college age going into something like that? What is the predominant style or thought at this time period on the planet right now? Is it about, I'm going to work in the metalsmiths area and it's all about, I don't know, repurposing it's, or it's all about being different than someone else's, you know, what's the leading dialogue that you hear right now? at that for that age oh like the kind of maybe like the trends it's sort of a trend uh, but you know or yeah. something um their interests you know well i think that uh uh now more than ever i think the students are becoming more aware about the interaction with objects you know like it's it's a very exciting time I don't want to wax poetic or whatever. Do it, do it. There are all of these objects that have been brought into our lives within the last 10 years that kind of revolutionize how we interact with objects. You know, like, for instance, like the iPhone. Right. You know, everyone, like, Apple becomes the go-to for a lot of people for this. But they really have done a good job about, like, doing that. Like, you know, the, the swipe, you know, I see... I have friends that have, you know, toddlers and, you know, they hand them the iPhone and they know how to navigate on the iPhone better than I do. I know. know? I know. These these actions or these, like, how we interact with objects are becoming, uh, they're transforming, like, our lives in a way. And so I I think there's more of the students have that more, are more aware of that than than I was. Interesting. Um, and, and so that that I think that informs a lot of their decisions as far as making. Very interesting. You know, like a, it's not like a you know the best example, and it's not a visual example, but you know, no one, you know, when they say uh, uh, like there's no like rewind noise anymore. You know, like an yeah, audio yeah, tape, yeah. right? <laughs> you don't turn back the record, right? You you know, there's no like. Bring, bring, bring! Right. Like, you know, answer the phone. Like, there's no that doesn't exist anymore. You know. Right. You know, and and it's it's interesting how some of those things are disappearing and they're being replaced with these other things. But somehow, whoever designed them, they became natural. You know, like that. Oh, that makes sense. Swipe to the left. Right. <laughs> Go left. You know. Right. Um. So I think the students see that and they they adapt and they're making and. Uh, very exciting objects, like not only with the equipment, the new digital equipment, but just like in general, to me, I mean, it's pretty exciting. Oh, I would think so. You know, I was just having a flashback when you said that about those sounds of remembering when you brought your rented videos from Blockbuster and you had to pay extra if you didn't rewind them. That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't exist for them, right? Like, so it's like a whole different world uh, and it's really exciting. You know, 
I would think so too. So, and what is there something that worries them the most that's predominant in that age at this point, or concerns? Not worry, but let's say concerns and awareness are a concern. Well, yeah, I mean, there there's major concerns with everybody, and not just people in academia, like the economy, et cetera. Sure. But uh, and I think that 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 maybe. I, if I had to guess, maybe some of their concerns would be like what choosing what to learn, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, to, to better. Right. Oh, there's so much. Yeah. And but to, to better serve them when they graduate, you know, right. To make themselves more valuable, maybe in a job market or just more valuable in genu- genu- general. Sorry. <clears throat> right. Um, so. Interesting. Yeah, it, uh, that, maybe, that might be a concern, but I, I, I can only guess I haven't actually had any. I should probably sit down and ask them what their concerns are, you know. Um, but but they seem that you know for the most part, um, I think that they they understand the value uh, of a handcrafted item versus kind of a fabricated item. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so having access to this machine, these machines, um, and the traditional, like there is a difference. They know the difference. You right, know, they see right. the difference. Right. So it's, I think that's just priceless to me. Yeah, that's that is great. It is. It's it's interesting, but it does need the contrast of both. I don't think you can appreciate oh, either no. without it. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I think the the they're the most successful maybe when they combine the both both of them together. Right. right. You know, and and make this new exciting object that like speaks on many different levels right. to many different people. Right. You know. No, it is. It gets me a thinking is all I can say. Well, on another note, let's talk about your new book, Push Jewelry, that you curated. Now, that's a big old project to take on. And did you have a good time doing it? (laughs) It was was quite a large project. Um, I did have a great time doing it. It was a lot of work, but... um, you know, the the publisher did uh, a large amount of the graphic design and, and the editing, and so they really deserve a lot of the credit. Um, but I do, I, um, uh, the book, I'm very happy about how the book came out. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, well, let me explain so, a little bit to everyone. First of all, they have to go oh, get yeah, it. They have to go get it. It's First yeah. of all, it's interesting to hold because it's graphically appealing. It has that right shape. And when you open it up, it's a very sort of new, fresh, young layout and approach. And then how you curated and found such interesting pieces to show. Did What, was, what did you want to get across, you know, the feeling that people got when they looked through this book in order to pick all these pieces? Well, I tried to pick uh, pieces that, were not something that a normal person would see at a jewelry store or jewelry, maybe like a gallery, right. like a product production work. You know, I just really wanted to expose kind of new things to people, an audience that may not see that. Um, so I, a lot of the artists, uh, were from different aspects, different parts of the world, mm-hmm. uh, different levels in their career. Um, and then of course, uh, there is a time frame that passes uh, from the initial uh, uh, initial choosing, I guess, or, or when I initially picked all of the artists, you know, there was almost like a two-year mm-hmm. period. And so, like, if I were to do it again, I'd pick all different people, right? right? I know, because right? it's yeah. just all sure. new and, and, and you know. Um, so it's pretty. It's, it was pretty exciting to do it and, and have kind of that timestamp on that period right. of, of those things. Um, not that they're out of date by any stretch of the imagination. It's just, you know, uh, 
I would want the book to be a thousand <laughs> jewelers instead of just thirty. Right, you know? right. No, I. <laughs> it's yeah. an, you're right. It is. It's a timestamp of that time period, which is it's great. Yeah. It's great for that. Yeah. And what do you think? Because there's so many different um, materials used in this book. I mean, it's just endless. I mean, is there some material yeah. that you tend to be more uh, drawn to than others, or are you just open to seeing new materials? Like, how do you think um, about that? I, I mean, I just think, I just wanted to be, be uh, you know, the publisher of our books being very credible, in, in, especially yes. in contemporary crafts. And, uh, you know, I wanted, my vision for the book was to have this um, to, to to make sure that people knew that it, it was all valuable, you know, all material, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all uh, language and all techniques, you know, it is very much uh, important. And again, the time stamp speaks about our, our time currently, like what people are making now. Right. Uh, so I, I really tried to make a, a diverse selection, I guess. And <laughs> so you like, did. Uh, a, you yeah, did indeed. I I'm looking so. at a piece right now, part of the Berlin Wall in a piece of jewelry here that's been oh, yeah, painted. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. it's fascinating. What I love about these kind of books is it is it as an artist myself, it makes you just sort of daydream and look through and let your brain wander a bit because you just see things that you might not have thought of before. So it's oh, uh, yeah, yeah. definitely lots of inspiration. And I'm sure you saw many more pieces that are in this book too because you had to edit it obviously. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, uh, ultimately, some of the final decisions were made by the publisher. Uh, but yeah, for each artist, I think I looked at probably about twenty images, um, give or take a few, and then of course uh, developed the questions alongside with the, with the publisher and, and to kind of get at the nitty gritty of like their process or their inspiration. And uh, it was just a really exciting process for me because I've, I've never really had an opportunity to either curate an exhibition or or I don't even know if this curate is the right word or not, but just to select artists and mm-hmm. kind of group them together. So, Well, it looks pretty fabulous to me. Congratulations. Oh, great. Oh, thanks so much. I love one of these questions. When do you feel that your work is finished? That's always a good one. Some, yeah, I forget who tough, an artist right? told me. Yeah, an artist told me when I wrestled it to the ground and I know I've won. It's like, okay, yeah, okay, it's done then. Or, you know, when it's the deadline is, it's it's one of those. I think that's always an interesting question for people. Well, it's very yeah. fascinating. Well, just to finish up, tell us, what are you working on personally right now? Or is oh, it all well, travel, work- speaking? Are you getting to make anything yourself? Oh, yeah, I've got a lot of uh, commitments to exhibitions that I'm trying to finish up pieces for, uh, I don't, I, I'll be uh, teaching a couple workshops over the summer, um, which has been pretty exciting. I always love doing that. Uh, and then of course, um, you know, uh, thesis exhibitions will start happening or, or people will start gearing up for that soon. And it's exciting to see kind of the latest and greatest and medals people here at this university, and what they come up with. So well, I'm I pretty s- excited. I mean, what are you teaching next yeah. week? Yeah, I, I can tell already. I can yeah. tell by looking at your website and talking to you. But I see you're teaching at Haystack and Penland next year, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah, what will you be teaching summer. there so people will know? Well, uh, uh, at Haystack, they have a new uh, digital uh, facility yes. that right. was semi-organized, I think, through MIT. Um, and I'm, I'm, I think we're, we're hopefully going to use a part of that during the class. Uh, and then for both workshops, I'm probably going to develop a little bit of um, uh, doing some of the enameling. Um, but the, yeah, there's still a little planning period now. So uh, but there's going to be some exciting things 
to go along with both places. So that's very, very two two different workshops, but very exciting. Oh yeah. Plus you get to be at Haystack. I haven't been to either, but I've talked to people at both and I'm I'm thinking of making it to Haystack this coming year. So maybe I'll see you. Oh yeah. It sounds like a great place. Sounds like a great place. Well, thank you for taking some time out of the studio there and chatting with us. I know people loved hearing all that information. Again, your book, Push Jewelry, 30 Artists Explore the Boundaries of Jewelry. Great find. So thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Hash. And I know you have your own website, theartistescapeplan.blogspot.com. The Art Escape Plan. Sorry, The Art Escape Plan. Um, (laughs) And you can come over to the CraftCast site to get that link. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that little chat I had with Arthur. He's fabulous, don't you think? I just love being inspired by artists and people, teachers and all. Oh, it's so much fun. Just love it, love it, love it. Also, if you have the CraftCast app, uh, make sure you listen to the bonus audio file where um, Arthur says his best advice for getting your work into an art gallery. Do not miss that. If you don't have the app, just Go on over to your app store for your Droid or whatever and get the Crabcast app. I always put in extra bonus material in there. So that's a great oh, a great piece of advice to get. So there you go. Thank you to both Arthur and thank you to my musical guest, Grace McLean. So uh, the ET portion of the show today, the entertaining thoughts section, uh, this came out of the fact I've been recovering from that little exercise mishap I talked about. And I used to always say the phrase, no pain, no gain. I don't say that anymore. <laughs> I say the less pain, the better. The less pain, the better. Because I, what I've discovered is how people talk about, you know, what's in the way of them getting creative. I can't get creative. I have a creative block. Well, I'm just going to give a little insight that what I found. If you have any kind of pain, physical or mental, it gets in the big old way of being creative because I couldn't think of creative thought to save my life when I was in pain. That was the only thing I could think about. And yet I did start thinking about then, why can't I have a creative thought? I didn't want to be creative. Who cares about being creative when you're in pain? So I thought about it on the other side and I realized uh, first thing we have to work on, recognize and then eliminate in order to get back into the creative flow. And I do believe, you know, my pain was big and obvious. It was a torn muscle and, uh, you know, that needed a bunch of Advil and pain relieving medication. Uh, And as soon as the pain relieving medication would click in, I'd start wanting to feel creative again. Hmm, I said to myself. So sometimes that pain is not as obvious as that one. So I'm putting out there, if any of you are thinking, I can't get creative, I can't find myself in the creative flow, Take a little sniff around and see where you might be having a block called pain and see if you can work on eliminating that because I swear, again, right hand up to God, eliminate that pain and the creative flow comes back. So I share that with all of you. I no longer say the phrase, no pain, no gain. Nope, out of the dictionary for me, out of the quote dictionary for me. So so there you go. There you go. Another week here from the CraftCast studio. I'm off to Los Angeles to see Favorite Boy Child in Anything Goes, as well as a uh, screening of his new movie called How Sweet It Is. That'll be out shortly. I'll let you all know about that. And remember to get all the links from today's show at www.craftcast.com, as well as if you want to leave me a phone message or talk to me. I'm going to find me and I pick it up. It's 845 845- 
535-9143. And all that information is on the Craftcast website under contact. So there you go. And you know what I have to say. Until next time, get your butt in the chair and keep crafting. <laughs>